Grab your Bibles, if you will, and let's go back to Romans chapter 10. Romans 10. <clears throat> I told you uh, last week that that we have several weeks of introduction, and tonight is um, is another one of those weeks of um, of introduction. But whereas last week I read the whole chapter, tonight I, I would like to read only the the first two verses, which I'm not sure we'll get far with or at all. <clears throat> but uh, this is uh, our first section. Here we go. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Of course, um, Paul's reference there is to the nation of Israel, to his, his kinsmen according to the flesh. One of... Um, Christianity's heroes is a man who was the Bishop of Hippo. <laughs> uh, Hippo was a small city on the northern coast of Africa, and the Bishop of Hippo was a guy by the name of St. Augustine. Uh, Augustine wrote about, oh, I don't know, a hundred books um, uh, are attributed to Augustine. Perhaps his most famous is this one. The City of God. I've read this. Um, this is, uh, among other things, it's his uh, discussion of the relationship that it is, uh, should exist between the church and state. Uh, it's a masterful, uh, and, and most would say that Augustine was probably, um, after Paul, the greatest mind that Christendom has produced. <clears throat> um, he also wrote... The Confessions, which is considered the uh, Western world's uh, greatest, first and greatest autobiography. Um, maybe it was greatest because it was the first one, but um, th that's just a couple of things that you might know Augustine for, his Confessions or the City of God. Uh, one of his last books towards the end of his life is one that I bet you've not heard of. Uh, it was entitled... Retractionis. <laughs> when um, Augustine got to the end of his life, he wrote a volume entitled Retractionis. Now, I, I haven't read that. I've read the other two that I mentioned. But, but I assume by the title um, that his, one of his latter uh, works was... Design. It was his his effort to to correct or clarify or or modify things that he had written earlier. All of that to say, when I retire, I'm going to write one of those, um, and, and I fear that that mine uh, will be a massive tome. Um, and, and I want to suggest that I start on it tonight. Uh, gang, we have gathered to study the Bible, <laughs> I think. 
And um, specifically, we have gathered to study Romans chapter 10. And we're going to. Um, and much of what I say tonight will be referenced to Romans 10, but you'll understand. But, um, but I said last week, um, Romans 10 is a part of a three-chapter section that deals primarily with one main issue. Judaism. And Judaism, as I said last week, was a huge issue for Paul. Uh, for and, and I mentioned three reasons. First of all, he was one. He was a Jew. Secondly, he, um, he, he looked out over Israel and saw that Israel was, um, uh, in the main, unconverted. Vast majority of Israel uh, remained in its un- unconverted state. And that was a part of his concern. And then the other thing I mentioned was that Paul knew Old Testament history. Uh, he knew some of the things that had been said about Israel and, and how they were this treasured people um, on the, uh, of God's. And, and so he looks out over Israel and sees the vast majority unconverted. And he groans over his kinsmen according to the flesh, which is what he calls them in chapter 9, um, verse 3. Um, I pointed out last week that chapter 9 opens up with a reference, chapter 10 opens up with a reference, and chapter 11 opens up with a reference to his concern, his pastoral burden for Israel. Um, Now, as I said to you last week, that because of some recent events in my life, and some of my um, my recent reading that I that I uh, uh, called your attention to last week, I I have developed quite an interest in this whole subject of Judaism. Um, and and I I have to tell you that um, I am trying to resist uh, the temptation of turning this Bible study. Uh, into a study of Judaism, which is not why we're here. We have not gathered to study about Judaism. I'm just telling you, I I related that last week of um, one particular event and then um, being asked by um, a a Jewish rabbi to to read these books, which I have, and have been captivated by them. So my, 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 uh, my temptation is to just... You know, kind of ignore Romans 10 and, and just let you know what's all being said in here. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. Uh, we are going to, we're going to, we're going to deal with and handle as best we know how uh, God's inerrant word by looking at Romans chapter 10. But as I said, tonight will be more introductory as was last week and maybe even next week, but we'll see. Um, but guys, I, I am seeking to, to be very careful in, in, um, in how I use some of the information contained in those books. In fact, um, I spent my time this morning in an effort to be careful. Um, I don't normally bring four pages of notes to, the, to this podium. 
I, I like the format of uh, Wednesday night better because I kind of fly by the seat of my pants. And, and, um, but that, as my wife will tell you, is when I get myself into the most trouble. So I've tried to discipline myself to and, and, and hedge myself in. Um, and I, I make no promises, but I, I make no boasts either. That's not, that's not um, something I want to do is to be careless. But I've tried to hedge myself in by putting everything I want to say on these sheets and trying to, to, to stay close to them. Um, I, I told you last week that I wanted to be careful. And I have to tell you, um, in the uh, in good Augustinian retractionist style, um, I don't think I exercised enough care. So, uh, let me start this evening reiterating that my desire <laughs> is to guard uh, what I say, though um, not as successfully last week as I had hoped. But it remains my concern that I... Um, that I choose somewhat cautiously and carefully um, how this subject is dealt with. Now, so thus the beginning of Dr. James R. Young III's edition of Retraxionis. But we're not finished for the night, I, I, so hang in there. Okay, guys. Um, as I said, Paul's concern in Romans chapter 10 is his kinsman according to the flesh. Um, but his application of, uh, of, of his treatment of that subject extends beyond the specific of Judaism to the general of unbelief in its larger sense. Now, guys, you've got to get that. I got to do better, or we got to listen better, or I, I got to try to explain. Paul opens up Romans 10 by mentioning again his concern for his kinsmen according to the flesh. He is addressing initially the whole issue of Judaism. But beyond that, he moves from the, from the specific to the general. Um, Judaism is just one brand of unbelief. Under, uh, unbelief is the, um, uh, the specie, if you will, and Judaism is just one category of unbelief. He is, he is addressing and defining, um, and as I said to you last week, why is it that, that, that unbelievers prefer religion to the gospel? But he is using his knowledge of Judaism to discuss a broader subject. And the broader subject is that of unbelief. Now, guys, I, you may not understand how important it is for the moment, but just tuck it away for a minute, and, and, and I hope to explain myself before the night is over. But, guys, we have got to maintain a very clean Clear distinction 
between unbelief and the one example that he mentions of Judaism of unbelief. There's numerous other examples. But Paul is a Jew. He's writing as a Jew. His concern and his pastoral burden is for Judaism. But guys, that's, that's all. He's using that to discuss and explain uh, the, the, the issues surrounding unbelief in general. Now guys, one of my missteps last week was that I told you that this book, that uh, this is really a fascinating book. It opens with a chapter that I'm telling you is so captivating, particularly for those of you who've been to Auschwitz. And some of you have in here. Uh, I know some of you have, uh, have visited Auschwitz. But um, he opens with a chapter in here about uh, just recently, um, oh, in the last recent history, 10, 12 years, there has been an attempt to, uh, to place a cross... Um, at the uh, at the front gate of Auschwitz, which you can imagine has um, has has sparked an enormous reaction from Judaism. They don't want that cross there, and it went all the way to the Polish Supreme Court, <laughs> and the Christians won. I guess you might call it. There is a cross, um, which which desecrates, at least in the mind of Judaism, that, that, that shrine to the Holocaust, uh, as known as Auschwitz. But guys, I told you that this was a history of Judaism. Back to my misstep. I told you that this was a history of Judaism. That's not exactly true. That's not exactly accurate. It's, it's not that it's a lie. It's just... This is not so much a history of Judaism as it is a history of anti-Semitism. This is a history, this traces the origins of anti-Semitism. Everybody knows what anti-Semitism is? Raise your hand if you don't know what that is. Okay. This, is a, this is an account written by a Roman Catholic priest who's left the priesthood um, and gives you an, an historical review of the origins of anti-Semitism. Now, guess who got blamed? <laughs> Christianity. And I want you to know, my friends, that that charge is not without merit. He traces, um, I mean, you may not know any of this history, but it's fascinating to me. I love church history, and there's a lot of it in there. But he, uh, he starts with, well, he doesn't really start, but uh, the, where I'll start is Constantine. Remember Constantine, in hoc, vi, uh, in hoc victor, or conquer in this, in this side, in hoc, whatever. And Constantine turned the whole Roman Empire into, you know, pronounced it Christian. He traces it from Constantine through Ambrose. And if you've studied church history, know the name Ambrose. He stops then at Augustine, and then he traces it through the Crusades, and then takes it through Luther, Martin Luther, the author of the um, Protestant Reformation, and then, of course, concludes at the Holocaust. 
Um, you and I, as uh, adherents of Christianity, are blamed for the origin or the authorship of anti-Semitism. Ladies and gentlemen, in my meeting with Rabbi Greenstein, who, as I said to you last week, is such an impressive man in so many ways. He is an impressive man. He said to me in his office, and I'm almost quoting. I didn't write it down then, but this is, this is close. Now, I'm not... So give me that little bit of wiggle room there. He said, and I'm quoting, I cannot respect a religion that does not have the moral fiber to stop the Holocaust. Now, my one concern is that word fiber. I, I'm not sure that's the, the moral fortitude, perhaps. I forget exactly. But he looked at me with passion in his eyes and says, I cannot respect a religion that does not have the moral fiber to stop, to put a stop to the Holocaust. Now, you know who he's talking about. That would be us. And surely you know, ladies and gentlemen, that there is reason for him to make this charge. I hope you know that. Guys, about uh, six or eight years ago, maybe not, maybe not that long, this book came out, which I read, Hitler's Pope, uh, uh, Pope Pius XII. It is said that Pope Pius collaborated. Now, uh, by the way, I'm not saying that's, that's the theme of this book. I'm not trying to say that he did. You can figure that out later on. But, um, I mean, this caused an upheaval at the, at the Vatican, I mean, six years ago. Um, that that uh, Pius collaborated with Hitler. And that he, in essence, indirectly participated in the uh, loading up and carting off of about a thousand Jews out of Rome uh, who were taken to concentration camps and killed. And the whole thing took place, in essence, right under the window of his residence. Um, you do know, don't you, that Roman Catholicism... Um, gave its okay for its members to be mem uh, its members its its church members to be members of the Nazi party in essence the Nazi party was sanctioned by Roman Catholicism and if you think I'm picking on Roman Catholicism ladies and gentlemen Protestant Lutheranism didn't do any better I'm not sure we did as good Lutheranism did horribly and, of course, that, those are the two dominant themes in Germany. There is Roman Catholicism and Lutheranism. Well, Protestant Lutheranism didn't fare any better than Roman Catholicism. And so, and thus, the, the origin of the charge, I cannot respect any religion that does not have the moral fiber to put a stop to the Holocaust. By the way, um, you might be interested in this. I, I love this kind of stuff. But the, the uh, Judaism does not like the term Holocaust. Uh, and let me tell you why. Uh, the, the, the English word Holocaust comes from uh, komata. 
comes from a Greek word. Holakomata. It means burnt offering. And so when we call that thing the Holocaust, we're, t- we're saying, in essence, that six million Jews were a burnt offering. They are intensely offended by that word. They call it the Shoah, which means catastrophe. Um, I, I don't know how much time we got. Uh, we don't have time. Um, it's interesting, the, the Hebrew derivation of that word, and I would do that for you, but we don't have time. Um, but let me just say that um, the, the charge is made that we're responsible that we couldn't put a stop to it, and we've just made it worse because we like this word over here that uh, calls um, their uh, sacrifice or loss of six million lives a burnt offering. And how could a God consider that an acceptable burnt offering? Okay, 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 Jimmy. Um, What about Romans 10? Well, we're coming there, I, I, I promise. My, my point in all of this introduction, guys, uh, is to point out that the great villain uh, for Judaism in the origin of anti-Semitism is the Apostle Paul. Now, let me explain that to you. And this is where the whole discussion gets very dicey. It gets... We are brought to the heart of the matter here. Folks, Judaism considers the Apostle Paul as the originator and author of Christianity, not Christ. Um, Their assertion is... As I said in this book, this is the worst of the three that I've read. I mean, this, this, is, this is something that I really want to do some debate over. I mean, this is, this is bad stuff right here. And I don't want you to read this one. Uh, this, is, this is bad. But anyway, the, the, the proposition of the book is basically Jesus is a misunderstood Jew. He was a Jew, and yes, we agree that indeed he was. But that he was a good Jew, in fact, and uh, did some very... Good Old Testament things. By the way, they don't like the word Old Testament either. Because there's not a New Testament for them. So don't you call their Testament old. Um, But anyway, um, that Jesus was a good Jew. He observed Judaism. He kept Judaism. And it was the Apostle Paul who created Christianity. Now, guys, do do you see why I say that's what we've been brought to the heart of the matter? What they have done is reduce Jesus. They have attacked his person, and his work. Um, suggesting, and I went through this last week, and, and guys, if you don't understand C.S. Lewis's argument in Mere Christianity about lunatic, liar, or Lord, you have got to get that. You've got to get it. But, basically they're saying Jesus was not who we claim he is to be, because Paul is the originator of the thing. He didn't originate it, you nincompoops. He's just a a faithful Jew who did a good lot of good teaching and a lot of good stuff. Now, guys, 
That's why I say this is at the heart of the matter. Because it is an attack. It is a frontal assault on the person and the work of Jesus of Nazareth. Saying that, the origin of Christianity is to be traced to the Apostle Paul. Consequently, the villain is Paul. And they despise him. They despised him then, they despise him now. Um, they call him a traitor. Jesus was just a misunderstood Jew, the one responsible for the creation of this monster known as Christianity, the birthplace of anti Semitism, is the Apostle Paul. Now, personally, I, I find that utterly fascinating because here in Romans chapter 10, Here's a man who's groaning over his countrymen. And this groan is very unappreciated. He is despised in Judaism. He, um, he groans over Israel's unbelief. And ah, I finally come to my point. Unbelief. Guys, my, my purpose and my, my concern in line with, with the Apostle Paul in Romans 10 in our study together is to analyze and expose unbelief. Paul is not attacking Judaism, and any fair reading of the Apostle Paul could see that clearly. He is promoting saving faith, and to do so, he contrasts saving faith with the unbelief as evidenced in Judaism. But that's not the only example he could have used. But, ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, Mormonism didn't exist in his day. Folks, listen to me. And this is, this is what grieved me the most about what I did last week. Anti-Semitism is a scourge. It is a blight upon human history. And if you are guilty of anti-Semitism, oh, my friend, there is only one course of action before you, and that is wholesale repentance. But we Christians indeed have to assume some of the responsibility for its existence. That is anti-Semitism. Now, guys, much of the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing tonight... Much of the reason that I sat on my back porch this morning and I wrote all this out is because I fear, I, I, I'm afraid that some of what I said last night, last week, could be heard or could be understood as being anti-Semitic. And that's the last thing I want you to hear me say. Folks, Christianity 
is not responsible for the creation of anti-Semitism. But Christians very well may be. Christianity is not the author. It is the error of and sin of Christians who have sinned against God and man in allowing even the hint. Of course, I think you know the great charge among Christians is deicide. Do you know what deicide is? The reason that, that Jews have been hated by Christians is because of the charge of deicide. They killed God. They did not! Who do we say killed Jesus? Jews? Romans? I killed Jesus. You killed Jesus. He died as a sacrifice for my sin, for your sin. But in the name of Christ Jesus and this charge of deicide, we have created something, ladies and gentlemen, that to call it ugly is an understatement. And we cannot avoid some of the blame for anti-Semitism. But having said that, in Judaism's haste to find a culprit, she has blamed Paul as the author of Christianity. And having done that, she has attacked the person and the work of Jesus Christ and no Christian can remain silent over that. Ladies and gentlemen, if you understand me as doing anything other than reacting towards the claim that Jesus was not the Lord of glory, the very Messiah, then you've misunderstood me. It is Judaism's intent to, de- to lay at the feet of the Apostle Paul the blame for anti-Semitism because he is the author of Christianity, which means Jesus is not the author, and that I cannot stand for. Our voices have got to be raised against any unbelief, but not necessarily Judaism per se. Does it, exam- does it exemplify some of the principles of unbelief? Yes, it does. But we must raise our voices against unbelief and anyone who would say that Jesus Christ is nothing more than the son, the product of an illicit relationship between Mary and a Roman soldier and was a good Jew And things got out of control. Wherever that exists, we must fight it. And to call Jesus a good moral teacher 
is to commit intellectual suicide. And I think C.S. Lewis, I hope C.S. Lewis pointed that out for you last week. If you, if you don't understand that, then for heaven's sakes, call me. I'll send a copy and you can study it. It's one paragraph. Guys, believe me. I, I am tempted to take you to John chapter 5 and John chapter 6 and spend weeks. <laughs> we could spend the semester in John chapter 5 and chapter 6. And, I, and, and all I would be doing there is showing you just a few of the claims that Jesus Christ made about himself. Now listen to me. Claims that if they are not true, they are morally and spiritually reprehensible. I am the bread of heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, either he is or he's a lunatic. And lunatics can't be good moral teachers. And countless millions have gone to their death believing the lie that he was the bread of heaven when he wasn't. No, ladies and gentlemen, anyone who, anyone who comes in contact with this Jesus of ours has a choice to make. Either he is God in flesh, the substitute for our sins, or he's a borderline demon. That's the only options you got. Not this thing, good moral teacher business. Guys, this much you got to understand. Wherever and whenever attacks are leveled at the person and work of Christ, Christians must reply. Whether that attack comes from Mormonism, or from the Jesus Seminar, or from the Da Vinci Code, or from Judaism. And by the way, Judaism will not deny her disdain for our claims about Jesus Christ. They're very, very open about it. And any time that comes up, somebody, maybe that's what you pay me for, but somebody has to speak up. Now, guys, do you see the distinction I'm trying to make? This is by no means an attack aimed at Judaism. It is an attack aimed at unbelief. Perfectly consistent with what Paul is doing in Romans chapter 10. The hope is that in my replies to this very charming man, that I can do so with the same, and we can do so, with the same grace, the same groaning, the same pastoral concern, and the same brilliance. As we see in the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 10. And we'll try to get to that next week. Let's pray. Our Father, I do pray that you will uh, help us to clarify the intent 
not so much of Jimmy Young, but of the Apostle Paul, and that you will use our discussions and dialogue concerning this subject to help us discover the beauty of the gospel while at the same time learning of the of the ugliness of religion and all of man's attempts at self-salvation. So, Father, guide us in our discussions and where we are guilty, Lord, of contributing to anti-Semitism. I pray, O oh God, that you would root it out and spare no rod in doing so. Forgive us. We are... We are debtors to grace ourselves. And so might that same grace that's been received be applied to any unbeliever, but in a very honest, forthright, accurate, faithful, intelligent manner. Equip us to do that, Father. And we ask it in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Thank you, and good night.